today we're concluding our series entitled, Start Here, Seek God. Start here, seek God. Earlier this week, I was thinking about the word seek and what it really means. Often when we think of the word seek, it cues in our mind a game we used to play when we were kids, hide and go seek. And if you're the person seeking other people, what you'd find is that sometimes your friends would hide somewhere and you just couldn't find them. And usually it was in the summer, so you'd get tired, you'd get hot, you'd run inside, get a drink of lemonade or maybe a popsicle, and then your friend would come in 15 minutes later and say, where were you? Why didn't you come find me? Here's the thing about seeking. Seeking isn't a casual thing. It's not like when we're playing hide-and-go-seek. It's not just something we do arbitrarily or half-heartedly. Seeking is something that we do intentionally and intensely. It's not looking through Netflix to find a new show or movie to watch. It's not going to Ross and casually browsing the racks looking for something to buy. It's not scrolling through social media looking for something interesting to distract you. Seeking is something that requires intense focus. It requires us to say, there's something that I need, something that I need that's essential for life. And when we're seeking something, we're looking for it because it's lost, it's missing, and we need it. I heard a story of a young man who went up to Socrates, the great philosopher, and he said, Socrates, I want knowledge. Without saying a word, Socrates led the young man to the ocean, chest deep into the water, and without expecting it, Socrates pushed the young man under the water for 30 seconds. Then he let him go, and he asked the young man, what do you want? The young man said, I want knowledge. A second time, he pushes him underwater, 30 seconds. As the young man comes back up out of the water, he's, he's catching his breath. Socrates asks him again, what do you want? The young man says, I want knowledge. A third time, Socrates pushes him under the water. I don't recommend you do this, okay? He pushes him underwater, 30 seconds, 40 seconds, 45 seconds. He finally lets go of the young man's shoulders. The young man is gasping for air. And he asks the young man, he says, what do you want? The young man said, air, I need air. Socrates said, when you want knowledge the way you need air, you will find knowledge. Here's what God is saying. If you seek me like you need air, you will find me. That's what the Word of God says. I want to challenge you today to seek God with all of your heart. He is what you need. You don't need another job. You don't need another girlfriend or boyfriend. You don't need another relationship. You don't need a promotion. You need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We need to seek him wholeheartedly. We need to seek him with everything that we have. I don't want you to leave here today without finding him today. Be willing to seek him and you will find him. One of the best ways to find Jesus is to seek him through worship. Why? The Bible tells us that he inhabits the praises of his people. There's something about worship that causes God to pay attention and to listen closely and to draw near. If you want God to draw near to you, be willing to sing praises unto him. In fact, at the end of our time, we're going to give you an opportunity to worship him, to seek him, to praise him. And I promise you, if you lean into that and you seek him wholeheartedly, you will find him. And you'll find purpose, you'll find meaning, you'll find breakthrough. Whatever it is that you need, you can find it in Jesus Christ.
So I want to invite you to join me in Psalm 103, verse 17, through the end of the chapter. Open up your Bible app, your Bible, your Westover app. Let's look at the Word of God together. I want to mention this is King David writing this psalm. And he's given us some insight about how praising God has made a difference in his life. For you see, before he became a king and he was in his own little castle, he was out in the, out in the wilderness taking care of sheep where there were attacks of lions and bears. And then he stepped into a moment where he was facing a giant and God empowered him to kill the giant. If you're facing a giant today, God can kill that giant for you. He can, he can take care of that for you. But it starts with us seeking God through praise. The Bible tells us that he was a man after God's own heart. If we're willing to, people, to be people who are people after God's own heart, we'll discover that he'll provide protection, assurance, strength for the future. Let's look at the word of God together. Verse 17 and following. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Verse 21, praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Here's what I want to make a note of. The way King David ends this psalm is the way he started it. He said, praise the Lord, my soul. If we start by praising God and we end by praising God, what we'll discover is that we can make it through the messy middle. Some of you are in the messy middle and you don't know how to make it through. Praise is the thing that's going to get you through. If you're willing to worship God, it'll get you through. Why? Because God attends to our needs. He pays attention. He draws close. And if you are in a messy middle and you need Jesus to step in, just worship him and you'll discover that he has something for you. In fact, I've titled my message, What Praise Can Do. What praise can do. Praise can do some things. It can unlock some things in our life. Here are a couple things that praise can do for us. Number one, praising God strengthens our resolve. It strengthens our resolve. Look what he says here. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. There are moments in life when we lose resolve, when we lose the courage to keep going. We run out of steam. Life beats us up. We face challenges and we want to quit. But praise, it actually increases our resolve. How? Because when we praise God, we get into God's presence. And when we get into God's presence, he gives us the resolve that we need. And he does that by providing his love to us. Now, when David says from everlasting to everlasting, he's not just repeating himself, he's making a point. What he's telling us is that God's love is from everlasting, it's always existed, to everlasting, and it will always exist. To make it more personal, what God is saying to us is that my love has been with you all of your past, it'll be with you today, and it will be with you in the future. Because God's love is irrevocable and it's everlasting, we can keep going. God gives us the resolve and the confidence to keep going 
Don't give up. Keep going. Keep moving forward. Be willing to hold fast to him. And if you do, he'll give you what you need. Don't quit right in the middle. God's love is both past and present and future and forever. But here's some great news is that God's love doesn't just extend to us. It extends to our children and our children's children. God's love is like an extended warranty. It covers not only my life, but the lives of my children for all of their life, and even my grandchildren who have yet to come into the world. God's promise is that my love is going to be there for them. And so I offer this as an encouragement to you parents who have children who've walked away from God. I want to reassure you that God's love is extending to them. No matter how far away they are from God, no matter how far away they are from you, no matter how much tension or friction or difficulty is in your relationship, God will continue to pursue them through his love today, tomorrow, and to the end of their life. He will make every effort to reach them so that they know him, so that they accept him as Lord and Savior of their life, so that he can transform their life. That should be something that gives us resolve. So parents, don't give up. Don't quit. Keep praying. Keep encouraging. Keep sending text messages with Bible verses. Say, I believe in you. I know that you're going to make it. And you'll discover that God will keep reaching out to them. He has a purpose. He wants to reach the kids that are far from him. Number two, praising God recognizes God's authority. Say authority. God's authority. God has authority. Verse 19 says this, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. I love what David says here. He says, God's kingdom reigns over all. Now keep in mind, this is King David speaking. He is a king. He sits on a throne. He has a kingdom. He has dominion. But yet... He still says, my God is my Lord. He is the king above all kings, and I put my trust in him. For you see, David learned. He learned that God has authority over everything in life, and he was willing to submit to God. He's acknowledging, God, your kingdom is established. Your throne is established. Your dominion is established, and I put my trust in in you. He acknowledges the lordship of God. For you see, there's a difference between believing that a God exists and making Jesus your Lord. Believing that God exists is not the same thing as making Jesus Lord. Today, I want to challenge you to make Jesus Lord of your life. Why? Because God has authority over everything that holds us under. God has authority over everything that holds us under. So if you're being held under something, it's because we have not allowed him to have lordship over those things. If it's an addiction, if it's a statement, a soundtrack in your mind from what someone said in your past, maybe it's a past sin, maybe it's a past mistake, God has authority over everything that the enemy is using to hold you under. I'm reminded of a story of a, of a prisoner. In 1964, prisoner 466 was accused, tried, convicted, and put in prison. His crime? Sabotage against the state. His sentence? 
life in prison without parole. And as he stepped into the coffin of his cell, and as those cold iron bars shut behind him with a clang, he heard an ominous voice behind him from the warden saying, this is prison. This is where you will die. The warden was counting on his words, killing every hope that this prisoner had. At this point, his family had lost hope. His friends had lost hope. His colleagues had lost hope. But that man decided, prisoner 466, decided on that day that he would not let hope die. He wouldn't let it die. He wouldn't let it die for himself or his family or even his fellow prisoners. So he was constantly encouraging the other prisoners, constantly encouraging them. Months turned to years, turned to decades, 10 years, 20 years, 25 years. Finally, at 27 years, the president of the country heard about his issue, and because of significant pressure in the culture and the time, the president decided to commute his sentence and to set him free. And at 27 years, in 1990, Nelson Mandela stepped out of prison a free man. And on that very same day he was released, he stood in front of a crowd of his countrymen, and he said, today I stand before you free, but I won't stop fighting till everyone is free. Four years later in 1994, he was elected president of South Africa. He went from being a prisoner to president. He, bent, he went from being a person held under to someone who had authority over, and he used his authority to set people free. He used his authority to end apartheid and said, no longer will you be held under. I'm going to lift you over the thing that is holding you under. But here's the good news, church. We don't have to wait for a man to show up, another president to show up, another leader to show up because 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ paid the penalty of sin. He took the punishment upon himself. He went into the coffin that was the grave, and then three days later, he stepped up out of that grave and said, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. He conquered death, hell, and the grave so that he could proclaim freedom to the captives, so that he could restore sight to the blind, so that he could proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Before he ascended, after he resurrected, this is what he told his disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, preach the gospel, make disciples, and you will even have authority over demons. What Jesus is saying, the authority I have if I am the authority in your life, I, com I communicate to you, I bestow to you the same authority that belongs to me. If you're shackled in addiction, if you're shackled in difficulty, if you're shackled to a past memory or a past event, Jesus Christ can set you free. He has all authority over everything that wants to hold you under. You may have been struggling with it for weeks, months, years, even decades, but today can be the day of salvation. Today can be the day of freedom. And he wants to do that in your life today. All we have to do is put our faith and hope and trust in Jesus. The Bible tells us that saying yes to Jesus is very simple. All we have to do is confess 
from our heart out loud that we need him. And if you're at that point right now, you can just say this prayer quietly from your heart. Jesus, I need you. I'm stuck. I need you to set me free. Forgive my sins. I want you to be Lord of my life forever. Give me a new life and a hope and a future. In Jesus' name, amen. If you say that prayer, guess what? Welcome to the family of God. You now have the authority of God in your life, and you can be set free. Jesus has authority over everything that the enemy uses to hold us under. But here's the third thing that praise can do for us. Praising God increases our fruitfulness. All of us have a yearning in our life to have a life of fruitfulness and impact. We want to do something that makes a difference. But often, there's a gap between what we can do and what God wants us to do. What we can do in our own strength and what God can do through us if we allow him to be in charge. If you've ever sensed that there's more to life than what you're doing, I want to suggest to you that that is God working in your life. Look at what, look at what King David says here. He says this, Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts. Praise the Lord, you, his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. What David is doing here is he's connecting. He's connecting the dots between our praise and God's will. If you want to have a life of fruitfulness, the key to fruitfulness is doing God's will. If you want to see God fully fulfill everything that he has for you, you must submit to his will. We must be willing to say, God, not my will, but yours be done. Everything that you sense that's yet to be is found in the will of God. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. There's something in the will of God that you've yet to see. We see in the natural, but we sense in the supernatural. Every dream, every hope, every belief, every belief about the future for your kids and your grandkids is found in the will of God. And if we're willing to do the will of God, he can increase our fruitfulness above and beyond. God wants to do that, church, if we're willing to praise him and seek his presence. I've discovered that if we could see the full will of God, we would want it every time. God has good things for us, church. Our best days are yet to come. He still has something he wants to give you. If you're still breathing, there's still a purpose. There's still something he wants to do in your life. We need to hold fast to him. But often, we don't get the blessings and the fruitfulness of God until we're willing to be obedient, until we're willing to say, God, I'm willing to step out in faith and trust you and be faithful because faithfulness always comes before fruitfulness. 11 years ago, a single mom came to our church. She was raising four young kids, and she was doing everything she could to make ends meet. Because of past circumstances in her life, some jobs were not available to her, so she had to piecemeal jobs together to pay the rent, to provide for her kids, and often she would deny the things that she needed to make sure her children, her four children, had what they needed. But yet she kept coming to church, she would worship God, she would listen to God's word, she would take notes. But the thing that struck me most about my friend was every time there was an altar moment, she would come up to the front. Sometimes she would come up with joy in her heart, 
because of the little wins that God had done in her life, the way that God had been faithful to her. But more often than not, she came up to the altar with tears in her eyes and said, God, if you don't show up, I'm not going to make it. I'm here to seek you, God. And if you don't show up, I'm not going to make it. There's no way I can move forward without you. Very early on in the process, she came up to my wife and I, and she said, Pastor John, I need you to know, because God has been faithful to me, I'm choosing to be faithful to him. I'm going to live out his will no matter what it costs me. I'm willing to tithe. I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to do whatever he asks me because I know that if I'm faithful to him, even when things are difficult, I know he will be faithful to me. So she served and she tithed and she gave everything she had. But that didn't mean that her life was perfect. She still had difficulties. There were still challenges, but yet she still praised the Lord. There were difficulties in her family, but she still praised the Lord. There are moments when she got laid off or her income went down, but yet she still praised the Lord. She was willing to be faithful with God, and she was faithful and faithful and faithful. And God saw her faithfulness, and he was faithful and faithful and faithful. Today, she's fruitful. Today, she's fruitful. During the pandemic, she had a job transition, and she felt the Lord lead her to open her own business. The pandemic is the worst time to open a business. Everything's shut down. But she sensed in the spirit what God had told her. So she opened up her business. The clients started trickling in. Five clients, 10 clients, 15 clients. She not only met their needs through her business, but part of the reason why there was above and beyond fruitfulness in in her work was because her work was her ministry. She was able to encourage them in the difficult times of the pandemic because she had known a God that had been faithful, that had been faithful, that had been faithful, that had been faithful. And she could say, God has been faithful to me and I know he will be faithful to you. And because of that, she saw the fruitfulness of God. She's a living testament of Psalm 126 that says, those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Her faithfulness in one season led to fruitfulness in another, but she was willing to say yes and amen to the whole full will of God. God's not done, church. God wants to accomplish that in your life. He's a God that's faithful. If we're willing to trust in him and make him Lord, we'll see the fruitfulness that our heart yearns for. And today as I close, I wanna invite you to stand. We're gonna partake in communion. And I just want you to recall the goodness and the faithfulness of God. If you're in a season where you feel like you're in the messy middle and you don't have enough, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will remind you of how God's been good and about how he's been faithful. We're gonna partake in communion. We're gonna remember the death and sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus. Let's pray and ask God to bless us as we stand at his table. God, we come to you. Oh God, you've been so good. You've been so faithful. Time and time and time again. And so, Lord, as we stand at your table, as we partake these elements, I pray, Lord, that you would just give us the confidence and the reassurance that your love is everlasting and that if we seek you, 
you're going to show up. We entrust these elements to you in Jesus' name. Amen. On that very dark night, the night that he was betrayed, Jesus had a meal with his friends. He said, this is my body. This bread represents my body, which will be broken for you. He broke the bread. He said, take this and do this in remembrance of me. Church, let's take it together. Yes, Lord, we're grateful for your broken body to give us a life of wholeness. And after taking the bread, he took the cup, he raised it. He said, this cup represents my blood, which will be shed for you. For the atonement, for the forgiveness of sins, to afford you healing. I'm going to pour out all of my blood so that you can be free, so that you can have a hope and a future. He said, take together and do this in remembrance of me. Let's take together. Oh God, as we stand at your table, we just reflect on your faithfulness, Jesus. You went to a cross to pay for our crimes so that we could be set free. We just say, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Church, say it with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We seek your heart. We seek your way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, we're going to end service the way David ended his psalm. He said, praise the Lord, my soul. If you're in a place where you're in a messy middle or you need to see the faithfulness of God, we're going to invite you to come up. And I'm going to invite members of our deacon and deaconess team, members of our staff, members of our prayer team. If you need prayer and encouragement, they're going to come up and pray with you. Let's worship God. Let's make sure that we seek his heart fully. And if you're willing to step forward, if you're willing to lean into his presence, you'll discover the fullness of and the fruitfulness that he has for us. Let's worship together.